So I want to invite Miss Laquita Conway to come up and bring the word that God put on her heart this morning. Amen. You a supporter? Okay. <laughs> Before Laquita brings her message to you this morning, I just, you know, the Bible says to give honor to where honor is due. And believe me, she has worked and she deserves to be valedictorian. For two years, she only missed two days. And she's a straight A student. So she truly has worked and deserved this. Even though she's all, she, we only have one second-year student, she deserves every bit of it. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. And uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, Paul's talking about the five-fold ministry, but he also included the ministry of helps. And the ministry of helps are those that are called by God, anointed to lift up the five-fold ministry. And Laquita completely walks in that ministry. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, the ministry of helps is like a hand with fingers. They go out and they lift up and undergird our pastor in all the affairs of the church. And no matter what I've ever asked Laquita to do, she's always done it. In fact, she's volunteered so many times. But she deserves this, and God bless her. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. No, you don't. <laughs> thank you, everybody. Um, thank you, Joanne, especially. You have been such an inspiration to me, and you live your life the way you teach your, the life of Christ. And I just absolutely love learning from you. You have been just a pillar for me for the last couple of years going through school of ministry, as have so many. All the teachers who have helped took their time to come in and teach the classes. Um, it's too many of them for me to remember each of your names. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it is... You know, the school of ministry, when I first started, I was like, okay, if I'm going to start this, I've got to do it. And so I chose to wait and start in January because I knew Michael and I were going to be out of town for a couple of weeks during the month of December, and I did not want to miss the classes. So I waited. That's why I'm graduating by myself. <laughs> All my classmates graduated last year. <laughs> Hi, guys. Um, so now we've got another class coming up next year. So um, if you have not taken the time to do the School of Ministry classes, let me tell you, it is so well worth it. Um, I did not grow up in a home with the Bible. I didn't know much about the Bible until I married Michael. Um, so my reasoning for going through School of Ministry was to learn. Um, where a lot of you have been for years, I'm just starting to get there. So I'm... Uh, I'm not one to speak, so I'm, I'm going to make this short. Um, I do have one scripture that I really wanted to share with you guys. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So if you have the opportunity and have not done so, I highly encourage you to please go through the classes. Even if you can only do a couple classes at a time, it doesn't matter. You're learning. And when you're done with school of ministry, you're still going to be learning. Because believe me, I'm going to go back through a lot of the classes because I have a lot to learn. So thank you all for being here. I'm glad my daughter and my son-in-law are here, my extended family. It's nice to have you guys here. So. Um, thank you all, and that's it. God bless you all. Thanks. I love you. Hallelujah. 
How you guys wish I'd be that short, huh? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're here today because uh, when we launched the church in 1989, um, shortly after that, I've been asking the Lord, began asking the Lord, I said, Lord, uh, you know, you have people coming, and when you start out, you, the church needs leaders. We need people, leaders that step up to responsibility and accountability. Amen? I mean, we take responsibility for things that need to be done. We're accountable for how they get done. And uh, as, as Joanne said, we need ministry of health. We do that. So I'm praying. I said, Lord, do, do leaders ever move? said, do they ever change jobs and move and have to find a new church when their new location and stuff? I said, I could use some leaders moving and uh, finding our church. Amen? And so we're just starting out and just doing that. And, and uh, so I'm praying about this. I'm praying for God to raise up leaders. I'm praying for new people. We had maybe uh, 35 people in our church or 40 people in our church. And uh, I mean, no, you can't do anything without a team. And uh, so I'm raising those up. And, and, and the Spirit of God uh, spoke to me and just said, you'll have them when you raise them. And my response was, well, doesn't that take time? How many want God to give you answers that don't take so much time? That's all I was saying. I said, you know, could, but, but could, some, could some ready-made ones come in? You know, do we have to, you know, there, aren't there some that are, you know, transferable or something? <laughs> But uh, do I have any credit? Can I get a loan? Uh, you know, do whatever. But the Lord said you have them when you raise them. And so in 1992, we began our school of ministry. We began it on the back porch of our home. It was entitled Leadership Training. And uh, we had 26 people show up on a little covered patio on the back of our house. And we began, and we've been doing this ever since. And uh, a few years ago now, five years ago now, we established and connected with our friend John Devlin and Arrow School of Ministries. And we have a fully comprised two-year curriculum and uh, that is just an amazing program. And uh, so we're excited about that, the evolution that's taken place and where we are today. And over the years, we've graduated hundreds of people. Our years go up and down and, and, uh, and that, but we're excited about what God's done and those that he's raised up to serve and minister in the body of Christ. Amen? And uh, I got saved at New Life Assembly in 1978, and uh, I guess part of the passion for this was handed down from my pastor, because Brother Hood believed that New Life Assembly would be a place where young men could hear and answer the call of God. But they, they would hear God call them into ministry, answer that call, and then be trained up and, and sent out. And, and his vision was that, that during his life and his ministry, that they could send out a hundred young men to preach the gospel around the world. And that was a goal that they could do that. And uh, I, I don't know, that New Life graduated way over a hundred graduates from the school. I do know this, there are 15 of us that have gone out and pioneered churches out of that. And uh, so we talked about a little bit in discipleship this morning about goals that we might have and what we might do. But, you know, maybe pastor didn't send out 100 people, but thank God he had a goal. And because he had that goal, there's 15 of us that are out there and uh, have planted churches as a result of that. Amen. Hallelujah. And so this morning, I just want to share a couple of things with you. And with that, as Joanne said, there's some areas uh, that come with uh, ministry, and not everything is what we would call pulpit ministry, but how many know pulpit ministry? This is, this is such a small percentage of what ministry is. It really is. True ministry, what holds people together is the ministry that takes place after the pulpit time. It's not the pulpit that keeps people together. It's the fellowship. It's the bond. It's the encouragement that comes. It's the body edifying itself that holds people together in the place where true ministry really takes place. Paul had this. The Apostle Paul had a threefold definition of purpose and connected to his life that sets a great pattern for all of us to follow who desire to be used by God. And I would just echo what Laquita said, is that the goal of school of ministry is not just for those who want to go into full-time ministry or feel their call to go and become a missionary, go around the world, or to pioneer a church that have that call upon their life, but it's to be equipped to serve God to your full capacity in the place and the position that God has set you. Amen? Amen. 
And Paul said that we would study. He wrote to Timothy. He said, Timothy, study to show yourself approved, a workman who doesn't have to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. And with our program now, the great thing about school of ministry is, is that in two years, you go through the whole Bible. And uh, you actually have a daily devotional that you read. You're going to read the Bible through in two years. We go through the Old Testament. You go from how the Bible was, was originally canonized, how it was written, how it was recorded, all the way through the Old Testament times into the New Testament and going through the Scriptures and study, but also through your personal devotional time. You learn how to journal and keep a log and write down what God says to you and some of what you say to God. Amen? Sometimes we write down more what we say to God, and we need to be listening to what He's saying to us. Praise the Lord. And uh, that'll get us through more. Praise God. But that's there, and so it's important that we take advantage of that in preparation for what God has for us to do. But in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says this, and, he, and talking about part of his desire and in ministry, beginning in verse 19. For, I, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. Paul's number one goal is that he would see people come to Christ. Once he got saved, his number one goal, he lived to see others come to Christ. That he might share the Christ that he had encountered with others. That others might know that same encounter of a God who loves, who restores. That even when you're beating against him, you're warring against him. And even sometimes when you think you're doing his will and you're completely out of his will. I mean, that's what the Apostle Paul thought. He thought he was doing God a favor. He was persecuting the church. He was rounding up Christians. And then the Lord showed up and said, Hey, Paul, what are you doing? Amen. And then God separated him and said, I've appeared in Acts 26. He says, I appeared unto you for this purpose, to make you. And I thank God that God comes into our life to make us what we are not. Amen. And he went from a persecutor to a proclaimer. He went from the one who persecuted the truth to one who lived his life proclaiming the truth. Amen? And so that's what Paul says. He said that I might win the more. Verse 20. And to the Jews I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. And to those that are under the law as under the law that I might win those who are under the law. And to those who are without the law as without the law. Not being without law towards God but under law towards Christ that I might win those who are without law. Verse 22. To the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that by all means, that by all means I might save some. Verse 23, Now this I do for the gospel's sake that I may be a partaker of it with you. And Paul talks about running that race. Secondly, he said that, so he says, I want to win something. Secondly, he said that I want to know him. He had this goal. I want to win people to Christ. Philippians 3, I want to know him, the fellowship of his sufferings, and the power of his resurrection. And then thirdly, he says, I want to press towards the mark, and I want to attain to the high call of God. And I think those are three noble goals for every believer to have. One, to be somebody that's driven to win the law, to know the Lord Jesus Christ personally in the resurrection power of his life, and then to keep living to attain unto the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Would you agree? Amen. And so this morning, I just want to take a couple minute, minutes and maybe challenge us in a couple areas this morning, especially to our graduates, and uh, so that we all end up, I don't know about you, I want to end up like Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 4. In verse, verse 7, he declares this, or excuse me, 2 Timothy, he says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. How many know this is a fight? Praise the Lord. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Come on, there's no such thing as getting saved just sitting back and watching life go by until heaven shows up. Amen. It's a fight. People get saved and say, man, everything was going good until I got saved. Then it seems like all hell broke loose. Amen. Well, the funny thing is, when I'm going to hell, I didn't know it. Everything looked normal. But then I got saved. I said, wait a minute, now I'm going in the other direction. We used to have a t-shirt when t-shirts first started coming out. They had that old t-shirt and it had, had a bunch of fish going across it. They're all upside down and laying like this. And one little guy swimming. And the caption was, any dead fish can float downstream. It takes a live one to swim up. And so before we got saved, we were just going with the flow. Then all of a sudden you get saved, and now you're swimming against the tide, you're swimming against the current, you're running into dead things all over the place. Hello. So Paul said, I fought the good fight. I fought the good fight. And then he said, I've finished the race. And then he said, I have kept the faith. Praise the Lord. So this morning, I want to encourage us that we keep going. 
And it is so important that we understand that we cannot afford to capitulate to anything less than God's original intent and purpose in and through our life. Every one of us in this room, when you were created, nothing is created by accident. There's nothing in all of creation that was created. There's nothing that is alive that is alive by accident, if I could put it that way. Nobody is alive by accident. Maybe your circumstances weren't the best on how you came into this world. The Bible is filled with stories of people who came in under dire circumstances but turned out to do dramatic things for God. Amen? So sometimes our circumstances weren't the best. Uh, You read the Bible, you can read about some dysfunctional families. Maybe you're born into one, praise God. But God can raise you up out of that. Amen? Hallelujah. Some of us need to learn from dysfunction. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes I I will not be that. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I could do better. Gives us a motivation to aspire to greater things. Amen. Think about it. But we can never afford to capitulate to anything less than God's original intent and purpose in and through our lives. It is more than universal. It is individual. If you have your Bibles, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. God bless you. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 5. Paul declares, see, see, so much we think universal, I mean individual about our lives and ministry, but what God called us to is a universal goal. The ministry of God is universal. It touches all of our lives. And no matter what capacity you're in, the ministry for your life is exactly the same as it is for mine. God's number one goal is reconciling man back into relationship with himself. That is it. The story of your Bible and my Bible, beginning in Genesis all the way through Revelation, is the redemption of man. Man being redeemed back into relationship with his Heavenly Father, with his Creator. That's the ministry that we are given. That's the good news of the Gospel. Jesus came to declare that we are now restored in relationship with our Heavenly Father. He taught us to pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven. Up until that time, nobody was praying, Our Father. But he taught us that we have relationship. We're a part of a family. We are God's children. And so that ministry of reconciliation in verse, 19, uh, verse 18. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Which is what Paul declared when he says, I might win one. He says, I was estranged from God. I was against God. But God reconciled me into relationship with himself. And now I'm given to share this good news with others. That is that God was in in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And when that gets down on the inside of us, if we impart anything to our graduates and to our students, and if you get caught up in this, this is what God's going to impart to you, that as you walk through this life, that you have encounters with people, and that somehow God could be pleading with people through you to be reconciled back into relationship with Him. That God would bring those who are lost. How many know Jesus told the parable of of the shepherd who had a hundred sheep and one went lost, and He left the ninety-nine to go and get the one? And that's the example of the world. The world with all of its multiplied billions of people, God sees them as one man that needs to be saved. The, the church could be full. The doors could be busking out. We could be doing a bazillion services trying to minister to everybody on a weekend. And God still sees that the world is as one man. The billions that don't know Him need to be reconciled to God. And so He sends us out as after that lost one. Would you agree with me this morning? That's the ministry that He's given to each of us. Praise the Lord. And so to settle for anything less than that original intent and the ministry of reconciliation, I just put this down. If we settle for anything less, it is a travesty against the scope of eternity and if viewed correctly to be considered a dereliction of duty. God's given us the ministry of reconciliation. 
And if I back away from that, how many know that, that, that I have shited and, and chided my duty, that I've not fulfilled that, but people all around us need to hear this good news of being recognized to God, reconciled to God. I have this little thought here, and this morning I didn't give you an outline because I want to go through this quickly. If He came for me, I can go for Him. If He came for me, I can go for Him. Hear me today, church. Jesus left heaven because you were worth coming here for. So I could leave my daily routine. I can restructure things. I could rethink things. If He was willing to leave heaven to come here for me, then I surely can go for Him. I, there, there's a capacity assigned to my life, to your life, to each one of us that is connected to our going for Him. And we can say yes to that with all of our heart. To those who are the lost, the hurting, the broken, the rejected, the discarded, the wounded, and the scarred by the storms of this life and their choices, the God who has been with me will be there for them. How many know we should declare that. God has that for us. He came to us so we could give Him to others. In Matthew 10, He told His disciples, freely you have received, now go and freely give what you have received. And that's part of school of ministry and what it does, is that raising people up. We, we, do want, we want to do more than just raise up people so we have another nursery worker, so we have another youth pastor. So We want more than in-house ministry. We want to reach this world for the glory of God. Somebody say Amen. Hallelujah. And some of you are going to be called to preach. Over the years, God's going to raise up people that are anointed. I listened to, to something, and it's true, that, that there is an anointing that calls you to the pulpit. But let me define that just a little bit, what that is, in clarification. It doesn't mean that, that we don't get opportunities to speak, to teach, and to encourage, but to go and to preach the gospel, to be called to preach, is what my pastor felt. And I believe God's doing that in our church. God is raising up men and women that are called to preach. But I like what Bruce Steelman said in English preacher he said this there is no special honor in being called to the preaching ministry there is only special pain the pulpit calls those anointed to it as the sea calls its sailors like the sea it batters and it bruises and it does not rest to preach to really preach is to die naked a little at a time and to know that each time you do it that you must do it again wow what a declaration. As I heard that, this thought came to me. There is an exposing and uncovering power of the Word of God when truly preached. That by means of its purity and nature begins by stripping the speaker of all human dignity, arrogance, pride, and any security and fleshly covering. To allow you to be clothed with the purity, power, and presence of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Becoming bare before God is the only way to stand covered before men. I wrote that down for myself. Amen. It is important that we get a hold of that. God calls us, and there are those that will be compelled, and you'll be called to preach, and you'll be trained up, and you'll be sent out. But when you are, it calls you like a sailor to the sea. You can't get away from it. You can't do anything else. You are called to go there. But then when you give your life to it, it's like being exposed. But every time you're exposed, God covers you. Amen. And anoints you for what He's called you to do. Let me challenge you with this. Bible school students sometime, and I, and I want to speak not just to our graduates here today and those that are heading into their second year, but I want to challenge each of us because many of us in our assembly this morning have been through school and ministry and now you're looking. We graduate and then we go, well, where am I going to go? Where am I going to fit? What am I going to do with my education? How do I put this into application? How do I turn it into shoe leather? How, how do I do something with this? The answer is this is where is the harvest going to come from where's the harvest going to come from well let me put it to you like this there is no lack of need in our world would you agree there's no lack of need the world population broke 7 billion in the year 2011 today it's estimated that we have 7 billion point oh eight nine seven point oh eight nine billion people seven billion eight hundred ninety million people in our world today how many know that's a lot of people amen and in the United States, we are between 310 and 320 million. A billion is a thousand million. We are 320 million. 
which means we are less than one-seventh of the world's population. We are about 4.4% of the world's population, which means when Jesus said go into all the world and preach the gospel, it means that even in the United States, if our vision, I shared this with the men in discipleship this morning, if we as a church said, hey, our vision is, is we want to plant churches in every 50 states. We need to put a church in every state of the United States. We need to have somebody preaching the gospel in every state of our nation. Well, if we did that, and out of that, churches rose up out of those churches and they were spreading out through all 50 states and we covered and we evangelized our whole nation we would have only reached 4% of every man, woman and child on the face of the earth how many know there's still more harvest out there and so when it comes to us, and the reason I'm saying it like this is because when we look for opportunities to minister, if you put your eyes just within these four walls or within the ministry called the church, within house and the ministry, there's no, th- this is such a microcosm of the ministry that is available. There is a multitude. There's hundred over 180,000 people that live in El Dorado County. We have about 400 people that say they attend our church sometime regularly, irregularly. If they all showed up, that'd be a marvelous saying hallelujah but, 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 but if we took the extent if we said okay there are 400 that claim Solid Rock Faith Center as their church and come and go as, as however they feel in that but even if we were all collectively and got everybody to assemble and everybody that declares this their home in here and we started ministering to those 400 we are less than 200 of 1% of the population of El Dorado County I'm declaring to you that there still is over 180,000 people outside the doors of this church that need men and women raised up just like you and I right here to go and take the good news of reconciliation to our world. Somebody ought to shout amen. And so if you're frustrated, say, where will I find opportunity? Where will I find... I graduated and nobody gave me something to do. My God, there's 180,000 people right outside this door. My God, there are over 7 billion people up past the borders of this country. My God, there's more opportunity than you could expend in a lifetime. My God, why not get some faith? Why not get some shoe leather? Why not get some breath of God? Why not get some stirring on the inside of you? And why not go and preach the gospel to to the world I'm stirring myself up this morning I feel like getting called called all over again amen hallelujah so think about it think about it let me encourage you this morning what do you have to do remove yourself from the restraints of time remove yourself from the restraints of time how many have ever got a word from the Lord a lot of hands All right. how many ever thought that word was for now how many found out it wasn't? Okay. Remove yourself from the restraints of time. You, you have a program there for, for, the, for, for the graduation service. Turn it over and write this on the back. Write on your program there somewhere. Make notes on it. That way you'll keep it. Write this down. This is a lifetime work. We're called to give our life. We give our life to God, not a season, not a segment, not a portion. I gave my life to Christ. When I got saved, I gave my life to Christ. And I made this, I will, I will spend the rest of my life. And the moment I choose to spend the rest of my life living for God, I take myself out of the restraints of time. And the word doesn't have to come to pass now in order for it to be thus saith the Lord. Because I know that every word that God has ever spoken in my life came with an appointed season. And if I'll live my life for God and I'll live outside of the restraints of time and I'm giving myself to a lifetime work for Him, then every word will come to pass. Not every word is for now, but every word has an appointed time. So what do I do? I live, I plan, and I prepare for the fullness of time. My Bible says that that, that Paul declared that Jesus Christ was slain before the foundation of the earth. But in Galatians 4, 4 it says this, that in the fullness of time 
God manifested His Son. Christ came forth in the fullness of time. So your life and my life, maybe you've had that word from God. Maybe there was something stirring in your heart. Those of you who have already been through school and ministry, and you said, I felt something stirring, and then I went to school, and then I come out of school, and it's like the big letdown. It's like all the air went out of the hot air balloon, and I'm just sitting here with my basket and canvas all around me. I don't know what to do. I don't feel any lifting of the Lord. But God was preparing you. So if you remember, you didn't get in this for a season. You made a lifetime commitment to God. You gave your life to God. You're living for Him for the rest of your life. And if you'll hold on to that call and hold on to that commitment, you'll find out that at the appointed time that there will be a fullness of time for your life and your call. And then you step into it. And the day you step into it, you look around and you go, my goodness, this seems like things are happening suddenly in my life. But it isn't a suddenly because I look back and it was years ago that I said yes to God with my life. And I made a lifetime decision to serve Him. And because I made a lifetime decision, when He shows up suddenly, it seems like it was only yesterday. And I have no regret. And I have no retreat. And I'm going to live for God the rest of my life. Hallelujah. So we go for God. We just go for God. Hallelujah. So what do you do? Grow and cultivate yourself for your season. Please write that down. Grow and cultivate yourself for your season. You read the prophets of God and you read about men of God and you read in the Old Testament and they prophesied they had a season. I'll never forget, God, God blessed us. He sent a man named Elbert Willis to our church when we were in Bieber, California from Lafayette, Louisiana. Out of nowhere, this great statesman for God came to our church. And, and uh, it was the craziest thing. Because he sent me some books and some cassettes that he had of his ministry. And I started reading this great stuff, great discipleship stuff and mentoring stuff. And I started reading. And then he sent me a letter a little while later. He goes, I'm going to be in your area. The dude's in Lafayette, Louisiana. He's going to go to Bieber, California. I said, do you know where Bieber is? Nobody is just in our area. <laughs> Bieber is between Fall River and Alturas, if you're aware of that, on Highway 299. It's 94 miles east of Reading. It is 500 people in a farming community. Nobody just decides, hey. How many are vacationing in Bieber this summer? How many have planned a trip there lately? Nobody. Some of you spell it as beaver. I didn't say beaver. I said beaver. Oh, no I thought it was beaver. or That's what I mean. Nobody knows. And God sent us there, and we're there, we're ministering. And he goes, I'm coming through your area. And while he's there, and we're doing, he, does say, he did some amazing things while he was there. He ministered to our church for two nights and stuff, and, and for a Sunday and, 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 a, and a Sunday night, and, and then Monday night. And it was, we had a great time, great word, and stuff, powerful time. But then while he's in our home, he did some thing. My, my dear wife's walking by, and he just reached out, he shakes her hand, he goes, here, sister, pastor, I just want to bless you. Nobody remembers the pastor's wife. And at that time, this is like 19. 83 and like or 85 it like shakes her hand he puts a hundred dollar in her hand and she like freaks out he goes you know pastor's wives are taken for granted I, I just want to tell you I love you I bless you so he's in our hand he's blessing my wife and then he's sitting there one day we're talking he goes hey son sit with me he says hey son while you're here prepare for your season prepare for you. you have an opportunity or take advantage of this opportunity and prepare for your season. Now, wait a minute. When I went there, I was there to stay. I went there. I didn't, I, I didn't go there to transition. I went there to stay. In fact, when I tried out for the church, the guys go, well, what's your vision? I kind of show them. I said, we could do this. And one guy says, oh, with a vision like God, like that, God will take you someplace great to do someplace great for God. And my answer to him, I said, why can't God do something great here? Sometimes we think great happens someplace else when God would do great right here if you would let him. And we had six years of great. It was a miracle. I want to go into all this stuff. But it was amazing that he came by and one of the words that he had for me was take advantage of this time here. Use this time to prepare yourself here. Spend your time in study. Spend your time in the Word. Spend your time in prayer. Spend your time with God and let God prepare something on the inside of you so that when you come into your season... 
Are you with me? And so people say, well, why go to school and ministry? Why give two years? Because grow and cultivate yourself for your season. Because you might get a word, and it is for an appointed time. And when the fullness of time comes, you want to be ready. Because then you're ready just to step into it. When suddenly shows up, you don't have time to say, man, I better get ready for this. Are you with me this morning? That is so important for us to get a hold of. And then I want to encourage some of you here this morning in staying motivated. And I want to interject this because in, in, I listened to this statement the other day and it got a hold of me and convicted me. And it has to do part of our preparation is how we pray, how you spend time quietly alone with God in His Word and in fellowship with God. And then how we give ourselves to prayer at other times. And, and a person said this when it came to prayerlessness. He says, if our prayer is meager, if our prayer is meager, it is because we regard it as supplemental and not fundamental. If my prayer is meager, then it's something that is a supplement to my life. It is not that thing that is essential. Amen. I wrote this down. True prayer is a posture of dependence upon God for everything. True prayer is a bathing of the soul, washing clean from the heart of the man, the contamination of the world. And since the devil knows this, he continues to do and to use every resource and power at his disposal, limited as it is, to prevent us from this one thing in our life. The most limited attended activity in the church today is prayer. And as we said, we're having our, I'm throwing this in, but we're having our 24 hours of prayer. I believe that if our church got a hold of this and said, hey, we're going to pray one day a month for 24 hours. And we believe because when we pray, God hears us. And prayer is not something supplemental to our life. Prayer is not something supplemental to our faith. Prayer is fundamental. And that's part of your preparation for your season. Because you won't have time to pray to get the faith. To get the response. So pray Prayer has to be more than supplemental in our lives. Are you with me? Amen. Last thought that I would give you, and I'll just go through this very quickly. Never forget to stay motivated. I've watched over the years, and, and uh, like I said, we started this in 1992, September 1992. And over these years, 21 years, I've watched people come in, they're excited, but then comes the great letdown. I graduated. You were motivated all the way through. Then what happened? I encourage you, stay motivated. This next little segment is for those who have been where our graduates and our students are today. See, we graduated, we started, but something happened. Never forget, you are the key to somebody else's motivation. You are the key to somebody else's motivation. Others will respond to your motivation, your passion, and the fulfillment of your life. Thousands can be affected by you. Thousands by you. Let me tell you, there's a law called the Law of 250. Every one of you in this room, whether you know it or not, you have a connection to about 250 people in your life. You may not see it on the surface. And, and this is an amazing thing because the sales community has taught people this in a network market and everything else. And people begin to find out and they begin networking and doing all this. And then they become to have an influence. And then you influence somebody and that's some, that person goes further than you've ever gone in your business or whatever. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. You have a connection and you market get together with somebody and the only thing you have to market is the love of God and the reconciliation of man back to God and you take that and maybe you reach your 250 but maybe there's one person in your 250 that will reach 250 million and if you reach your 250 and you reach your 250 and you reach your 250 how many know that in not long we could reach the 7 billion of this world but somewhere we got to move. And so it takes motivation to do that. It takes pushing ourselves out of the lane of comfort into the lane of fast-paced decision and commitment to God. Hear me this morning. The waves of your influence are limitless. 
the waves of your influence, every Christian in this room, the waves of your influence are limitless. You're not just sitting here listening to a sermon this morning. God by His Spirit is trying to impart something into your life and stir something into your life because God ordained this plan. He says, I'm coming and I'm redeeming man back to myself. But the only way I can bring man back to myself is by putting myself in men and sending men on my behalf to men. Which is why Paul said, it is as though God was in us and imploring through us. God says, I choose to dwell in you. What building will you make for me? The only reason we even sense the presence of God when we come into this funky old warehouse that we have turned into a little house of worship is because we are vessels filled with the glory of God and the life of God. And we bring Him into this place and His glory fills the house because it came in upon our lives. Somebody ought to shout amen. And so God moves in our life. You, your influence is limitless. Hear me, somebody broken needs your motivation. Somebody confused needs your motivation. Somebody misdirected and unfocused needs your motivation. Somebody will fail unless you stay motivated. And somebody may die an untimely death unless you and I stay motivated. It is important for you and I. You may ask, why should I stay motivated when it's easier to stay depressed, uninvolved, or just quit? Well, let me ask you this question. If quitting brings you joy, then quit. If quitting generates peace, then quit. I've never met a happy quitter. I've met a griping, complaining, irritable... Amen. If quitting is your answer, then why are you miserable? Think about it. Quitting never produces the desired results, so there's no reason to quit. There's nothing to go back to, guys. I settled that when I got saved. Nothing to go back to. Replay the happiest moments of your life and you find them to be productive moments. Times of uncommon enthusiasm towards a worthwhile goal and a dream. These young people, men and women here, were sitting there and they're going, hey, this has been a productive season of my life. I've given myself towards a goal. I'm going to go to school for two years. Whatever it takes, I'm going to redirect my schedule on Sunday nights and through the week so I can give myself to this time. They go, man, what a fulfilling time in my life. Yes, you had a goal. You were going somewhere in God. Hallelujah. I'm getting stirred. I'm going to go back to school. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hear me. As Bill comes back to the keyboard and we get ready to move on with our ceremony. The circumstance of your life may not have to change as much as you think. It's your focus that requires an adjustment. Everyone has days of little or no motivation. I've had several of them. In fact, I'm shaking myself right now. I'll be honest with you as your pastor. I'm mad at myself. Because I allowed some things that happened over the last seven years to take place in my life. When we were building the gym, I got the news that I had hepatitis C. And so I finished the gym, we built it, we got it open, and then I had to go through the treatment. So you go through six months of chemotherapy, you feel like death warmed over. Every week you, you get to feeling better, and then on Sunday night you stab yourself again. I go, why am I doing It's like self-inflicted death. It's terrible. I, I have great compassion and sympathy for people going through medication and treatment. A lot of the stuff they give us to help us actually tries to kill us. And so you feel better and then you stab yourself. You go through this whole cycle. You're irritable. You don't make good decisions. You're going to change everything and kill everybody. Amen. Hello. And so you come out of that. You come out of that, and, and, and then the, we get through that. You get healed, you get going, so you spend a couple months recovering, and then we get the news that my wife has breast cancer, and we start walking through that process, and you go through four years of that, and getting through all the process and all the things and deal with that. And so you just get distracted, and then you just kind of settle down, and then you get in this mode where you've lost your motivation. And I tell you what, I am irritable with myself. I'm irritable with where our church has become. I'm irritable with the situation. I'm glad we're at a place of graduation. I'm here to stir you up today. I'm here to ask you to get involved again. I'm here to re-motivate yourself. You've been there. You made a decision. There was a day in your life when you said, I'm going to go. I'm going to do. And you committed to it. Now let's rise back up again. Hallelujah. Let's make something happen. Glory to God. So think about it. All, our, all we need is to readjust our focus. Success is the ability. Abraham Lincoln said this. 
to go from one failure to failure without losing your enthusiasm. If Lincoln knew, he knew how to fail and still move forward. If he'd have given up, he'd have never become president. But because he didn't give up, he went from one failure through the next failure through the next failure till he landed at success and became the greatest president that our nation has ever known. He liberated a people out of slavery, brought about the Emancipation Proclamation, set billions of people free for eternity. Hallelujah! But if he'd have given up on failure, what would our nation be if that one man had given up because he'd been voted down and voted down and voted down, but he waited for his appointed time and at the right time, God raised him up and he was a man of God with convictions who wouldn't be moved off that belief that every man, woman, and child was created in the image of God and had the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and the foundational truths of our nation and he gave, literally gave his life for it. We need Christians like that a day today again that'll live for God with an uncommitted result with a totally committed resolve if it means our life then let's live for God come on let's go out with glory hallelujah the opportunity and possibility for change is available to all of us when we maintain our focus and refuse to be denied the dream and desire of our heart Nothing can stop us. Keep believing. You might want to write this down. Nobody drowns by falling in the water. They drown by staying there. Nobody drowned just because they fell in. They fell in because they did not or could not get out. In time they got exhausted. They had no help. They were overcome by the flow or the current or whatever it was. But it wasn't just getting in that caused them to drown. It's that they didn't get out. Come on, guys. Maybe we're in the water of failure. But bless God, let's not drown there. Let's get out. Let's move ahead. Let's join these graduates. Come on, let's go back. Maybe you're here today and you grad. Let's go. Hey, I remember how I felt when I was there. And I'd finished my first year and I'm thinking, one more year one more year and God's going to release me on the world. Come on, let's find that place where we were waiting to be released on the world. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm going to have Joanne come back up. I'm done. I don't quit. We're in trouble. ministry oh I loved it you know when you get to the point where you can't wait to get to school then you know you got something hallelujah praise God the Lord's good isn't he all the time praise the Lord Uh, we're going to call up our um, first year graduates they are going to receive their uh, certificate of leadership and the first one up this morning is Kimberly Haynes. Amen. And the next one up, I want to put the full name that we have on our certificate. So let's go, Katie Hollum. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Ryan Jenkins. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And our next one, he's a delight in our class. Eric Chancet. Yes. <laughs> anyway, it's Spanish. <laughs> Thank you. 
valedictorian, Laquita Conway. this year in school of ministry would you come up and join us quickly please all of our teachers that are in the house this morning hallelujah if you guys would just step forward just a little bit I'm asking teachers just to slide in behind you if you'd line up behind our student hallelujah thank you Lord ah what a great company Look at this. Oh, and Jesus said, if I could get 12 men, I could change the world. I could launch this thing called the church. Look what we have right here. Wow. Stretch your hands out here this morning. Father God, we thank you this morning. Lord, we lay our hands on these students and this graduate this morning, Father. Lord, we thank you. God, for your commissioning, your anointing, your gifting, your deposit in their lives. Father, we declare, as Paul said, that there are gifts on the inside of them by the laying on the hands of the ministry. There's a deposit and a release placed inside of them today, Father, by the Holy Ghost. Lord, that you are planting in them, stirring up inside of them their destiny and their purpose. Father, that they rise up like men and women on fire for God. Men and women who burn. Men and women like Jeremiah, if the enemy tries to get them discouraged, tries to get them to be quiet, tries to get them to pull back from answering your call, they'll say, oh, I tried to quit, but the Word of God was like a fire within my bone, and I could not be restrained, and I had to speak, I had to declare, I had to obey God. So, Father, we commissioned them this morning in the name of Jesus to fulfill their calling and their destiny to make it sure, to make it sure. Paul wrote to make your calling and your election sure. Be obedient in the vocation that he's calling you to. We bless them today, Father, and we thank you for them. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Hallelujah. Give the Lord a great praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Congratulations. Amen. If our students will sit down just for a moment, find your way back to your seat. Teachers, if you'll stay in place. Amen. I want to thank our teachers this morning. We are so blessed. Amen. We are so blessed to have those that have, have committed and given their time to school and ministry and making it possible and uh, serving and uh, teaching. So every year we'd just like to say thank you and tell you how much we appreciate you. It, it is awesome. 
And uh, like we said, when we started out, it was amazing. I, I had to bring people in. I taught, and then I had pastor friends around the area, and I said, hey, could you come help me teach? We're trying to raise up some leaders here. And then over the years, God's raised up amazing, amazing men and women like you that are part of our team, that are help raising up a future generation, future leaders. And I believe with all my heart, just like Brotherhood, we can send men and women around the world to preach the gospel. Amen. And even though we've been going 21 years, 22 years, hey, we're just getting started. We're in our prime. Hallelujah. And we thank you for being a part of it. Lori, God bless you, sweetheart. Amen. Eli, God bless you, sweetheart. Amen. Kathy, God bless you. Amen. Mike, God bless you. Thank you, sir. Cole, where Cole go? He's over with the kids. Hallelujah. Pastor Cole, Pastor Sean, God bless you. Amen. Sister Sally, where's that? Oh, there she is. Hallelujah. Bless you. Hallelujah. Have you guys met Sally yet? Does everybody know Sally? Yeah. You need, you need to get to know Sally. She's good for what ails you. I guarantee you right now. Amen. Amen. Brother Wayne over here. Look at Wayne. He survived all these years because he married to Sally. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We're Donna. Donna, God bless you. Amen. Stephanie, thank you, sweetheart. Amen. Hallelujah. Who died? Everybody, everybody there? Brother Adrian is moving his son to college this weekend. Sister Joanne. you've taken over our school it's amazing what God's done you bring such a spirit of excellence and you impart so much to our kids as your pastor it's such a privilege to me to know that I have somebody like you serving you take I, I, I don't have a worry or a care you've lifted such a burden off of my life and you're helping fulfill my heart in raising that leaders, people to answer the call. Thank you so much for serving and all in God for being such a blessing. I love you. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good. Amen. scare them. Amen. We have one other thing we want to do this morning. Very proud before we dismiss and pray. Wednesday night we went down to Roseville and celebrated the graduation of uh, some members of our church from chaplain school being trained going through eight weeks of learning how to minister people in crisis and brokenness and tragedy uh, in times to work with law enforcement but even more than that to, to minister right here in house to begin by being chaplains in house and it's an awesome awesome program that's available they have another session coming up in September and I think there's more that will do that and it's part of it brings a whole other dimension to pastoral care uh, for ministering to people when they're in the hospitals, when they're going through family issues and, and crisis and times. And uh, so this morning, we're excited that we can launch this whole new aspect of ministry in our, in our church and to our community as well. I believe God's going to launch our chaplains out and working with our police agencies and law enforcement agencies and our paramedics and that to help in those areas. But more than that, I believe God's really going to strengthen our body by this internal pastoral care and oversight. Amen? So I want to invite Thomas Walsh and Harv and Ernie Brownell to come up this morning. I want to ask our elders to come up that are here so we can pray over them and uh, thanking them. Uh, this guy's just right down here. And then if you'll pray, Brother Keith, uh, Keith, uh, 
got, got sick last night. He was throwing up all night. And uh, so he was going to be here. We feel sorry. Next Sunday, we'll call him out and isolate him all by himself. Amen. Amen. And uh, because the important part of this, the Bible says that they laid hands on them and they sent them. And that's what we want to do this morning. We want not just to send these folks and the heart that they have to be a part of being chaplains and reaching out. But right here in our church, there'll be times that you have needs. And Lord willing, we'll be able to put together a prayer line and think where people can call and people be on call. What do I do? How do I get somebody? Uh, There's no way one person can minister to everybody. God said that every joint would supply the need of the whole. Amen. And God gives us hearts to be moving compassion towards one another, stand with one another, pray with one another. And the program they went through is just amazing. Their syllabus for training is awesome. And what they teach you and the scenarios they take you through. So today we're thankful to have these guys kicking it off. We just stretch your hands out here as we pray over them this morning. Father, this morning in the name of Jesus, we thank you for these that have given their time. They've, they've enlisted, if you would, Father, into the ministry of service and compassion to the body of Christ. Chaplains are just that, Father. They come and they minister compassion at the time of need, in tragedy and distress and despair. Father, they come alongside. They, they do and flow with the ministry of the Holy Spirit in bringing comfort and age and clarity and truth into confusing situations. So, Father, this morning as we lay hands on them, we commission them in the name of Jesus, Father, as chaplains in Solid Rock Faith Center, Father, to stand and to minister, to bring aid and relief, comfort, and compassion to those, Father, who are in need. We thank you, Father, for this ministry. Lord, we recognize their commitment. We recognize their graduation, Father. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to birth through this and through them, Lord. We just give you the praise and the glory. And we thank you that you've blessed our church with men and women like this that have hearts of compassion and the desire to serve. And, Lord, we thank you for the wholeness that this helps bring to the body. We bless them today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Wonderful, wonderful. And I just want to do this, if we can, not to say quickly, but we don't want to close our service today just because we had a ceremony to not allow God to do some things. Uh, We had some words of knowledge that were given to me that there's somebody here that's dealing with irritable bowel syndrome. There's somebody here that's having trouble with your pancreas or diabetes and uh, arthritis. And God wants to touch you in your body. There's some people battling addictions in areas and and you'd like prayer in that area. And so I'm just going to open our altar. And if you need prayer, you come so we can pray for you. The Bible says that if anybody's sick, let them call for the elders. Let them anoint them with oil. Let them pray the prayer of faith and they sh- shall be healed. So does that apply to anybody? People say, well, man, I'm on the spot. Well, the devil doesn't care if you're on the spot or not. Amen. I tell you what, if I had IBS, I'd be out of my chair. I wouldn't want to be irritable anywhere. If I had trouble with my pancreas, I wouldn't want to go home with it. Amen. See, we need to get past that. See, the Bible says in Matthew 8, 17, that he took our infirmities, that he bore our sicknesses, he carried our diseases, and he took upon himself our infirmities. I encourage you with this. Quit naming sickness as yours. My asthma, my allergies, my this. Bless God, give it away. It came from hell. This is hell's allergy. This is hell's asthma. This is hell's arthritis. Amen. How many know there is no asthma? There is no allergy. There is no arthritis in heaven. And Jesus prayed, Our Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Healing is the children's bread. Healing is the children's bread. It belongs to you. It is your right. Jesus said to the woman who had been over, shouldn't this woman whom Satan has bound these 18 years, being a daughter of the seed of Abraham, 
be healed on this day. You have every right right now where you're standing to be healed in Jesus' name. When we lay hands on you, God's covenant power is going to run through your body. Healing is yours today in Jesus' name. Where my elders go? Get up here. We need to pray. Come on. Hallelujah. Somebody got oil? Father, stretch your hands out here, church. Stand if you need to. Glory to God. Father, in the name of Jesus. Stand up and stretch your hand out here. Pray for these folks. Hallelujah. Come on, join together. Come on. If, if somebody, the body says, if one suffers, all suffer. We're the body of Christ. Come on, we're joined together. The person up here that's battling in their pancreas, that, that would be like your pancreas is sick. The person up here that's battling with diabetes and addiction, that, that person is your body. They're part of you. You're jointly framed and fit together with these up here. Come on, let's pray and receive healing like it was our body. Spiritually, we're one body just as we are physically in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Father, I break every spirit, every lie in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name, in the name, in the name, be healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You are the healer. You are the healer. Be healed. Set free. Deliver. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Just raise a hand up to God. Begin to praise Him just for a moment before we go out. Thank Him that He's a healing God. Thank Him that He's a saving God. Thank Him that you've been reconciled back to God. You've received the ministry of reconciliation. Thank you that He stirred something up in your heart. Thank you for a new motivation that's come into your life today. God, I'm renewed. I'm energized. I'm revived. I'm not sitting back any longer. God, I'm back in the game. I'm back in the lineup. I'm back on the playing field, God. I'm engaged, God. I'm not looking on. I'm engaged in the name. Come on, give Him praise today. Magnify His name. Glorify His name. Thank Him for what He's doing in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. In the name, in the name.